Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome everyone to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us Dr. Eric Frankham, who attended dental school in the inaugural class of Midwestern University. After dental school, Eric owned and operated four dental practices. Three he started from scratch and sold them to private equity groups. After increasing his net worth four times since the sale of his practice and increasing his passive income from 7,000 to over six figures per month, Eric wanted to share his knowledge and teach others how to do the same. He now manages his wealth and investments in commercial real estate, private equity, and VC funds. Eric also coaches and guides his clients to achieve complete financial freedom through passive income investments with infinite freedom. His private coaching and mastermind platform at ericfrankham.com. He connects members to high-performing investments and coaches them on passive income to facilitate a dream lifestyle. Eric served in the U.S. Army National Guard for 10 years and proudly serves as a mentor to the Harvard Business School. So let's give Eric a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. I can hear the demons call when they do what they do. And now I feel like taking off, find a place with a view. The pain is never gonna stop if it's controlling you. I know the time can heal it all. So Eric, welcome to the show. Nice to have you today. It's great to be here. Thank you, Don. Likewise, likewise. It's great having you. So Eric, I was, I'm reading over your your history and your background. I really, I really like part of your background about how you got started. Um, I guess you graduated from dental school, and after that, you were running four different dental practices, which you um, one three of them you started from scratch, which you ended up selling to private equity. Um, right. how, how was that process for you? It was stressful. You know, I came out of school and I was practicing, working for some other guys, and. You know, there was a little stress, just the way that I thought about debt. And I was trying to consume a whole lifetime's worth of student loans all at once. And um, so, yeah, I had a little mindset shift that needed to happen. But then when I bought my own practice, there was a lot of stress. Then it was, okay, now I have big debt. Now I'm tied to this place. It's not something I can just, you know, break away. And and so part of me was very ambitious and wanted to grow as a high quick start from a Colby test standpoint. But then part of me was also like, hey, you know, I just, um, you know, want to, you know, get this debt down. And and so I ended up doing the four practices very quickly. So I expanded and, uh, you know, I had a veterinarian in the in town that said twice the offices equals four times the headaches. And I can kind of attest to some of that, but it really helped me to grow and to scale. And I w- had the chance to work with some really good doctors and um, you know, y- you just go to the level of your systems. So it forced me to work on systems and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just get this optimized. And uh, yeah, I happen to be in an industry that there's a lot of buyers for, you know, uh, dental offices. And I just had had my third child and, you know, I didn't see the first two as much as I would have liked. I hated those days when, you know, they, uh, I was gone before they woke up in the morning and I got home after they were already back in bed. So I wanted to make up for a little lost time and pivoted to where I can uh, teach other people how to, how to get passive income rather than just trading their time for money if they don't want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. So, yeah, there's a lot of, 
small business owners out there that are in the same position as you were, where they're working, you know, 12, 15, sometimes 18 hour days, not seeing much of their family. So, I mean, if you're in that situation where you can scale, sell and be free, how do you go about that? How do you position yourself and sell your business, get paid and walk away? Yeah. Well, you know, as, as, uh, you know, hippie as it might sound, I mean, really mindset is the start. It's not the finish, but it really is the beginning. And if you're going to, um, you know, do something like that, you, you need to be healthy and well-balanced. Um, the, the office and other people's families depend on you, uh, to do that. So sometimes we feel like, Hey, I'm going to grind this out, grind, grind, grind at the expense of my health and my relationships and whatever else. Um, and we find out that that's the least effective way to do it as well. So when we really reframe and say, okay, I'm going to be healthy and well-balanced. I'm going to take care of myself and my relationships and my office and my employees. Success just gets added to us. So then when it's more of that natural state, then you can just continue to grow and, and replicate the good that you do have. You can replicate your systems. If you're replicating garbage, then you just have more garbage and more, you know, headaches. So uh, if somebody does want to, uh, you know, follow in a pathway like that, first of all, you don't need multiple businesses or offices necessarily until your first one's optimized. And some people don't ever have a second location. They just build within and have, you know, either a virtual component or several different businesses within the business. So that's one thing to consider as well. But um, yeah, getting to where your goals are to where you start replicating something that's making profit rather than growing so fast that nothing's making profit and you're living in a house of cards. Yeah, definitely. And to your point about mindset, I mean, like you said, it's not the only thing, but I think getting a deal across the line, whichever side of the table you're on, mindset is is monumental in making that happen, I think, for sure. Absolutely. So, and I also saw you, I mean, you, you quadrupled your, your net worth pretty much or in a, in a short amount of time. How, how did, what was your strategy for doing that? And in fact, you doubled your net worth twice for two consecutive years. So what, what was your strategy? How did you go about doing that? What was your blueprint for that? You know, uh, I've heard somebody say the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is leverage. And if I wanted to grow more like the billionaire then I needed to leverage and I went from a mindset of scarcity and one that was more of the traditional own everything that you have outright and have a ton of cash sitting in the bank and just prepare for all these rainy days upon rainy days upon rainy days. Um, and my money was growing maybe not even as fast as, as, uh, you know, inflation, but when I leveraged and was able to find exclusive investments that have a protected downside and a unlimited upside. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, leverage the things that I had, take some cash out refinance on some of the buildings and really get that money to go work for me. So it's working for me instead of me working for it. So, um, you know, examples of those protected downside investments would be things that, basically have a, uh, they're, they're worth, uh, you know, more than the money you're putting in. Like you can find funds or investments 
that are different than the stock market. The stock market changes price every day, but some of these private funds, it can be years before they're taking a new round. And you can literally put in $100,000 into equity that's worth $200,000 that day. So that was certainly part of it, as well as leveraging some real estate and using that to gain more real estate as well. All right. Yeah. And talking about having that mindset shift where, especially talking about leverage, because I think so many people out there, they look at debt as a bad thing. So, I mean, I think you have to be able to realize or determine good debt from bad debt. So uh, what would you have to say to say to those people? How would you help those people? make that shift where 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 they can realize and determine which what kind of debt is good what kind of debt is bad and how they can leverage that to in, increase their net worth yeah so bad debt are things that are not assets that are appreciating in value you know like the whole goal is to build your your golden goose so it's just laying golden eggs all the time and then you can live off of those golden eggs as the goose continues to grow if you're leveraging consumer debt, that's not making you any money. And that, that debt, in my opinion, should be avoided you know, wholeheartedly. Um, as far as the good debt, if it never made sense for me to invest uh, in the stock market at an average rate of return of 8 or 9% just to save a 5% loan. To me, that wasn't enough that I said, hey, I want to just leverage everything I have for that. But also finding good deal flow. I mean, there is some deal flow that I have that's in the mid 30 percent, you know, in cash flowing income. So, um, you know, for that kind of a thing, it just really didn't make sense to have a lot of money sitting inside the walls of real estate or sitting in a checking account. Um, By this way, I could partner, you know, with other people and, and allow that money to grow very quickly. And I certainly focused on the law of 72 where basically 72 divided by any percentage rate is going to tell you how fast you can double uh, your money. So, uh, you know, at 72 divided by 36%, that will double your money every other year. Um, And so that's the minimum target that I look for for the investments that I go into, plus some protected downside. And there's some that are higher. There's some that are over 100%, um, you know, uh, in a year. So, um, I haven't been afraid to, uh, you know, take some good investments. I don't want to say risks. There always is risk, but it's too risky when you're not knowing what you're doing. When you're just putting yeah. all the money on black and gambling with it, you will lose every time. Right. So I was able to network into some of the top exclusive deal flow and, you know, it's just fun. It's just a game now, you know, watching it, watching it grow, watching uh, other people learn how to achieve their magic and that's spending time with their family and writing books and uh, donating to charities or going on mission trips with medical and dental uh, people. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about being a couch potato, um, but your freedom to something. Yeah. And to your point about risk, like you said, it's about, as I mean, everything is risky, right? But it's how, how, how much you can educate yourself to mitigate that risk. Yeah. And I like risks that, you know, have the upside of a five or 10 times return on investment. You know, if if that has a downside, at least the diversified investments are going to make up for that and more than make up for it. Whereas, 
you know, if I put my money in the stock market, that could get cut in half, like several prominent stocks have recently, Netflix and, you know, some of these, you know, big ones that have gone down a ton, Tesla and some of these others. So yeah, they can get cut in half, but they don't have on average, your average stock or diversified stock portfolio doesn't have the ability to five or 10 times. They're not going to uh, grow that fast because they're based on 40 or 50 years or more of profits. Yeah. It's, it's just really overvalued uh, or over, it's just too expensive the way that stocks are valued. Absolutely. Okay. And um, so when you're talking about how to source and negotiate and I know you use the term infinite freedom a lot. Can you talk a little about a, a, a little bit about those investment opportunities that generate that passive income? You touched on a few, but um, are there any any particular that you that you invest in a lot or frequently? You know, there are some in different uh, industries. Uh, the, the passive income is kind of the holy grail of investing. You know, if you can get uh, you know money coming back to you then you can connect yourself to it. Um, so, you know, it, it might be for a lot of people better to have, you know, something that averages, let's say 30% or 40% a year better than something that averages a higher rate, but you don't see your money for such a long time. And so, yeah, so it, real estate is one that I really like, but real estate won't produce high numbers like that, the double digits, well into the double digits. So the, the 20s and 30% interest uh, investments, they also have to have, you know, a real niche where, you know, they're producing a lot of profit as well. And, um, you know, some of those companies, they don't want to give up their equity as much as they would rather give, you know, cash, they'd always rather pay in cash than they would in in equity. So they're, willing to pay with a smaller amount of equity and a much larger amount of upfront cash. And I've used those proceeds of those distributions to invest in other investments. And so it basically, you know, is two investments for the price of one is the way, you know, I look at that. So. Okay. And, and, and with all that, I mean, with that passive income, I guess, I mean, you can say, here come up the tax man. So do you have strategies to reduce risk and taxes as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's not what you make, it's what you keep, of course, yeah. you know, and you know, you're a real estate investor, you know, that real estate is, is a great place to invest and have, you know, tax advantages. The, the government incentivizes investors to invest there because they want more buildings built. You know, you're partnering with the government to build on those things. So the government just gives you the playbook. The playbook's the tax code. You know, 95% of it literally is them saying, this is what we want you to build. And we want to partner with you because we want to create jobs. We want to get real estate and different things. So um, by partnering with them, we can go into things like opportunity zones to keep, you know, taxes down. There are, um, you know... Uh, oil and gas still has some really good uh, yeah. um, uh, advantages. You just have to be really careful because there's some deals that are set up that it's only giving you the tax advantage and it's not a real good investment. <clears throat> so I would always make sure that I go to the good investment first. I would never invest in something just because it has a tax advantage. But yes, it, it is important to time 
where you're going to invest. I mean, you can have a, a Roth IRA or 401k that you can convert to self-directed and diversify it among, you know, other uh, investments. But yes, so I've loved Opportunity Zones, oil and gas. There's some uh, specific ones. I mean, whole life insurance, that's a really good place or, you know, you Absolutely, can yeah. Infinite banking. Yeah, I'm a big get fan. Things of that. Ready for generations. That's yeah. And even with that, I I mean, I talk about that a little with some of my insurance clients, and I'm amazed at how many people think whole life is a scam. But yeah, and I have a hard time explaining the benefits of it. But yeah, I mean, so many of them are willing to invest in term, but not whole. Well, a lot of people, yeah, haven't done it well. You know, some people that are. You know, there, there's agents that probably don't understand it. It's a very complicated mechanism. Some would say even by design. And yeah, um, so just like anything else, you know, like doing your research, finding the right person that not only has integrity, but has, you know, like confidence and the ability to to maximize that. I, I think whole life can be one of the best tax deferral strategies that, that is on the earth that, that's in America. Um, so absolutely agree. So Eric, and I know you, I mean, you recently did, a, um, you got a $2 million building with zero down <laughs> and you transitioned that into 42,000 a month. Yeah. So, I mean, there are opportunities in up markets and down markets. I feel like the down markets is where there's even more opportunity. Um, more people are hesitant to invest. Um, in this particular case, there was a, a a group of buildings that I saw for sale that had a big second component to it that was run down. It you know needed all sorts of repairs: air conditioners, roofs, paint, you name it, uh, all the big expensive fun stuff. And nobody wanted to touch that building, um, and so it wasn't really selling. The owners wanted to sell the two of them together. The owners. Uh, were a little bit set in their ways and they um, were kind of difficult in getting back to potential buyers anyways. But the other half that was up and running and rented out, it covered the cost of that building itself. So I actually crossed collateral. I, I did the math and said, hey, you know, like even if I just let that building sit there on the side, it's just going to sit there and do nothing. Then, um, you know, like it's, it's, still worth it for me to have these other buildings and let that building just sit there and do its thing. So I got positive cash flow. I actually, like I said, uh, cross collateralized it with another property that I had some equity in. So instead of putting any money down, I took money out at closing. Um, I actually uh, divided it out. So I had a surveyor and, uh, you know, divided out as a separate building, a separate lot, because previously it was on the same one. And so I closed on it and the bank only needed the collateral on the part that was making the money. It was enough collateral uh, because of the asking price and the negotiations that uh, they were able to not have to put any collateral on that building. So now I own this big, huge building free and clear that I haven't had to put any money down on or whatnot and got an appraisal on it, it was about 1.5 million and ended up, uh, you know, putting some uh, uh, you know, fixing up a little bit of the roof, kind of uh, getting it ready for a tenant, getting a tenant in there, even at a reduced rate, you know, ones that could add improvements to it. And uh, basically there, and then I took a cash out refinance on that building that I owned outright. So now I have, you know, 
another million two or million three to go invest with. And I can diversify that among several investments that are paying me cash flowing investments. So even after the tenant has paid for the payment on the building, I'm sending that money out to go work for me. And I'm building equity, not only in that real estate that the tenant's paying, but I am uh, diversifying it and having it elsewhere. So this is totally opposite to my previous way of thinking of mm. just buy and hold and, and save and just get no payment. I mean, night and day difference on, on the amount of passive income that I would have or net worth. Yeah. It just takes a little creative thinking, right. And a little imagination. Right. right. And was that, was that uh, retail? So it was retail and, uh, yep, exactly. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, before we hop off um, Eric, do you want to talk about some of the deals that you've recently sourced and syndicated? Well, you know, I, I can't go into tons of the details without, you know, somebody being under a non-disclosure agreement, but that one that's paying 30 plus percent in monthly payments. I mean, that is a fun one, you know, and, and a lot of my clients enjoy investing in that one as well. They're getting, you know, just monthly payments that they can attach to either other investments or increasing their lifestyle or making a building payment or a house payment or a car payment or you know, whatever it is, taking an extra day a week or two days a week off of work um, so that you can spend more time with kids or grandkids. So that one is a really fun one. I, I like it's, uh, you know, has real estate uh, collateralizing the downside that is free and clear aside from investors. And um, I can't say enough, you know, good about that one. Um, there are several others. There's one that we've invested in in New York where they were incentivized to bring tech to New York and they ended up getting a 300,000 square foot building from the city and state of New York that they only had to pay $1 a square foot on and they were able to turn around and rent it out for $110 a square foot and the way it's like a Y combinator type place where the um you know, the businesses are paying them for their expertise and their engineers. And these guys are going to partner up with a lot of those companies and take a piece of these companies that are going from seed round to unicorns. So basically we're buying in for the value of that 55 year lease that they were basically given as a gift. And then everything else is an upside. So those are the kind of investments I look for is something that has a really high floor to it, but unlimited potential at the top. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, Eric. So let's let's hop into the lightning round very quick, and I'll let you hop off. I let's know it's late it. there. So, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor is one of the most impactful I've I've seen, and it really does go into why if we're happy and we have a happy, well balanced life, success will find us and add to us. That's you know, a, a fantastic one. One I've read lately, uh, The Gap in the Gain by Ben Hardy, uh, talking about mindset. He's co-wrote that with uh, with Dan Sullivan, and I really like them. And uh, so those those are two really impactful ones that I've read as of late. And just the, the go-to, the timeless classic of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I mean, I'm always reading that one. It's like the Golden Gate Bridge, right? They say it's always painted. By the time you get to the one end, you're going back through it. And I'm always just looking at some pages or some thoughts from that. Um, I feel like 
it's just the real deal. And anytime I'm maybe struggling with a an employee or a partner or whoever it is, then usually wherever I'm at reading that book, I, I find something that helps me to get in the right um, mindset and to be able to handle it. So those are kind of the three that I would go with. Okay. Yeah. I have to note those down, especially those first two. I haven't heard of those. Yeah. All right. And um, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? That's a great question. You know, you know, I'd say that there's a, a big investment that I'd invested into that, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about that. You know, there's, you never argue with your gut, right? Um, and I think that we're going to really end up still doing well on that investment, but it was a real pause and stop and think because, um, you know, not only does it help me to not be in a position where uh, I'm overly diversified, uh, underly diversified, but I can help to guide others when they're asking, you know, kind of my uh, thoughts on diversification. I can help them to understand the why a little bit more. So it's one of those things that without experiencing, um, you know, something like that, uh, then it's hard to share that with others because, I mean, you can, you can vet a deal. You can't vet somebody's, vet somebody's mind or soul or heart. Um, and things just are going to go wrong to everybody. Statistically, if, if you haven't had something to go wrong, you just haven't done enough deals because yeah. it's happened to Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett and everybody. And uh, so I would just say, you know, uh, just an added reminder of diversification and not having, I typically don't recommend having more than 5% tops of your net worth in a, in a specific investment. Okay. And Eric, if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Man. You know, I, I, it would be a variation of infinite freedom, essentially, just letting people know infinite freedom is available to you now. That's what it would say. You don't have to wait until you have a bunch of multifamily offices or until you can invest in the big leagues or whatnot. You can have most of that infinite freedom from your mindset um, and your relationships. And there is no future that's worth sacrificing your present for. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you definitely shouldn't wait until you're 65 or 70, right? Right. Yeah. All right. And what have you been, what have you become better at saying no to? You know, I have a lot of really good exclusive deal flow that I sort through and vet for my own investments. And, you know, the ones that I like, I, I bring to my group and they're able to, you know, see those and whatnot. And I think that by, seeing so many good deals, it's easy to say no. Um, if you only have one deal because somebody's brother-in-law brought it to you and said, Hey, this could be the next Facebook or whatnot. I mean, you could be, you're only going off of emotions and the fear of missing out. But when you have 30 good deals, more than you could realistically invest into all of them at one time, 
then you're looking for an excuse to say no. And so, you know, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. And, um, you know, I'm looking for the type of investments for the fund, the infinite freedom fund that I'm building right now. We're looking for those essentially unfair uh, advantages, legal unfair advantages that if they don't, you know, we don't have some insight as far as understanding the industry or knowing why a deal like that New York one with the high floor is, is such a good deal then we'd pass on it. So we're looking for excuses to say no to everything. Okay. And when All we right. can't find the excuse, that's where we move forward. So <laughs> sounds like a good, good problem to have, right? Yeah. All right, Eric. So before we hop off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, learn more about your funds, if they're interested in investing, what's the best way for them to reach out? You know, the best way would be, ericfrankham.com. So Infinite Freedom is a platform that is under ericfrankham.com. So that's E-R-I-C-F-R-A-N-C-O-M.com. And people that want to take a look, there is some bonus content, free content, things you can kind of see what uh, this alternative investing uh, mentorship is about. Um, people that want to connect and say, Hey, I want to learn a little bit more can certainly find where to do that on the website. Or if they just, I don't know if you can hear that. There's some, some Texas weather going on right here in the back, but, uh, there's some thunder right there. If you heard that, but, uh, um, any, anyways, as far as, yeah, if you want to learn more, great. If you want to just take the free materials that are there, um, then that's great. I have a book by the same name, infinite freedom that'll be coming out probably next quarter or early third quarter at the latest. And uh, yeah, things are going good. Awesome. Okay, we'll run that info across the bottom of the screen. And um, yeah, thanks so much for spending some time with us um, this evening. Really appreciate it, Eric. Don, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you. All right, look forward to uh, maybe connecting when I'm back in the States. That'd be great. Travel safely. All right, thanks. Have a good one. You too. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves. <laughs>